each and every one of you today. How many of you would be willing to get your, set your filters aside? Let's do it. Lord, we set our filters aside. Lord, no matter what kind of week we've had to this point, even this morning, Lord, it may have been a struggle to get here. We might have fought with the kids or our spouse, but God, we're here. And we don't want to allow our pride, our, our hurt, our disappointment, or the things we're dealing with in life to filter out the word that you have for us today because it's a good word, because it's your word. And so, Lord, I ask that you open our ears and our hearts that we might be forever changed by your word today. And I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm in part two of a series entitled Back to School, and there's some fundamental things that happen in school. Uh, and if most of you have gone to school, you start in kindergarten and first grade, and you begin to learn some of those fundamentals. Simple addition, sometimes you learn the alphabet, just some simple things about science. We begin learning some history. All those things come into play, but the important part of what the lesson plan is is that everything builds upon something else that you can't eventually learn calculus unless you learn simple math. And as with the word of God, there are some lessons that are so foundational to our Christian walk that if we miss the foundational lessons, the rest of it's completely out of place. And honestly, we can get lost and make it out of place. And so that's what back, back to school is all about. I started it last week and I really felt like the lesson plan I was going to move on, and I think God had other plans because I made, it, I made an agreement with God this last year. Uh, he said, if I want you to preach the same message week after week, you'll do it. And I said, I hope you don't make me do that. <laughs> and he didn't make me do that, but we are going to talk about the subject matter again. Uh, we are so blessed, Pastor Shelley and myself, because we have three great kids. Our youngest is Jonathan. Wave your hand, Jonathan. He's not shy at all. You can get to know him, shake his hand. Uh, he, he's a senior this year, and uh, yeah, we've already cried, so don't, don't say anything else. We don't want to cry again. Uh, he's our baby, and Jonathan, think about you need he's always been a joy. I mean, the kid came out, and the kid was just happy. I mean, he, he's been a happy kid since the beginning, and, and he brings this great joy as well because he loves to share what he learns at school. And he learns as he's sitting because if you know anything about Jonathan as a kid, uh, he didn't have to be talking to anyone because he could be talking to himself. <laughs> and so he, he'll sit in the car and sometimes he'll use these words that he learned in school or in science or history or English, but he doesn't use them in the right context. Uh, like, you know, he'll be saying, look how that metamorphosized. And I said, uh, what does that mean, metamorphosized? You know, like the butterfly does. I said, I don't think that applies. Because <laughs> he doesn't understand the context. And that's what happens with us. Sometimes we have to understand the context. And that's kind of what today's lesson is about. But, you know, kids do their best. And a mother was teaching her three-year-old the Lord's Prayer. We're all familiar with that. And for several evenings at bedtime, she repeated it after her mother. One night... She said she was ready to go solo. The mother listened with pride as she carefully enunciated each word right up to the end of the prayer. Lead us not into temptation, she said, she prayed, but deliver us from some email. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. We need to be delivered from some email. 
So here's the context of where we're talking. One of the fundamental subjects that are important in our Christian walk is humility. And we have to understand you can't attain to true faith without humility. In fact, you can't even attain to repentance and forgiveness without humility. Uh, you, You can't attain to love without humility. Everything is impossible without humility, and yet it's one of the things we don't talk about in church especially in today's world, because it's a countercultural message. What that means is, is that we're all pushed about our self-image, our ego. We're supposed to feel good about ourselves, and we do everything in our power to make that happen. And the Word of God teaches something that's completely the opposite of what's being taught to many of our kids in public schools. Jesus talks about it one day in Luke 14, and it's not exactly as you might think it is, okay? And we're in verse number 8. It says, when you're invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the place of honor or seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you will be embarrassed and you will have, have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, he says, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend... We have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. And then Jesus gives a kingdom principle with a promise. In fact, I call it a kingdom law. Because much like the law of gravity, that none of you are beating today, by the way. In fact, you're kind of weighing it down right now. Um, Kind of like the law of gravity, there are spiritual laws that were established from the beginning of time, and this is a spiritual law. Listen to what he says. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, when he's telling this lesson to his disciples, this is not a lesson on how to act at a dinner or at a wedding or how to pretend to be humble so you can eventually get someone to honor you. This is really a foundational kingdom law. And like learning the alphabet that begins with the alphabet, then spelling, then grammar, learning the lesson of humility is imperative for blessing and spiritual growth. Now, I got to ask a question. How many of you want to grow spiritually? Raise your hand. Learning the lesson of humility is imperative for blessing and spiritual growth. Jesus said it again. This is a Jesus truth, words in red. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled And those who humble themselves will be exalted. See, this passage is more about motivation. The important questions we have to ask ourselves. Why, you ready for this? Why do I feel the need for affirmation and attention? In this social media society, why are likes so important to me? Why do I have to post, today's my birthday? I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. If you did that, I I didn't know you did that, so I'm sorry. (laughs) And the answer to that question, obviously, is we crave for the attention of others to help affirm who we aspire to be. In other words, we seek validation. Validation is defined as recognition or affirmation that a person or their feelings or opinions are valid or worthwhile. And here's what we have to understand, and this is why it goes against the word of God. When people are the source of our validation, 
they become the great determiner of our identity. And there's one who wants to be the source of our identity, and that is Jesus Christ. Did you know that the Word of God says that when we become Christians, here's God's ambition for our lives. He wants to make us like Jesus. Now, that seems... (laughs) That seems worlds away from our ideas of possibility, okay? I get it. Because we're imperfect, we have sin. But that, that doesn't, you understand, that doesn't intimidate God. That God dreams big and he has big plans for our life. You know why he has big plans for our life? Because he wants to bless us. But not only does he want to bless us, listen to this today. God wants to make you a blessing. Because when you become like God, listen to pastor, it's not about being, the ble- being, being blessed, it's about being a blessing. And God wants to make you a blessing. How many of you would like to be a blessing? Raise your hand. We really mean it. I'd like to be less others. And so I was thinking about this message and doing it two weeks in a row most especially. If I allowed acceptance of people to be the determiner of my identity, I can tell you this morning I wouldn't be preaching this message. It'd be easier to preach the value of a smile Somebody say amen. And I want you to understand when we begin talking about humility, the opposite of that is pride. And pride always leads us down a very dangerous, slippery slope. It's not only dangerous, it has eternal consequences. And Jesus spoke about it in the Sermon on the Mount. And he talks about these hypocrites, the religious leaders of his day. And he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. See, we can seek affirmation, and here's the truth that Jesus is preaching here, telling, telling, his, telling all those in the, in the crowd that day, is that you can seek affirmation, and that's all you're going to get is here. But there's going to come a day where we're going to need greater affirmation than men's affirmation. There's going to come a day when we're going to need Jesus to say to us, it's our, it's our great ambition. Well done, good and faithful servant. Somebody say amen. amen. And how do we get on the road to that? We get on the road to that with humility. And so in order to change our pride, we have to examine and change our motivation. And there are a lot of people who aren't willing to do that because we think it's a psychological issue. And while it can be a psychological issue, you understand this. The truth is, humility is enacted by our choosing who we desire to please and honor. We're going to talk about that in length in just a moment because this is the practice of humility. Honor is the practice of humility. Now, I've got to give an admission here because we're going to talk about this in length in a few moments. Anybody ever sat in traffic, you know, there's construction on the road and you're in this long line or a wreck? And as you're sitting there and you've sat there for an eternity, all of a sudden there's this wise guy that comes up on the shoulder that wants to cut in. Does anybody feel about that the way I feel about that? Here's how I feel about it. I'd rather hit the bumper of the guy in front of me than let that joker in. (laughs) Can anybody identify with that? Amen. Somebody told me after that day, he said, well, I let American cars in, but anybody driving a foreign car, they don't get in. (laughs) I said, well, at least you have some mercy, you know. And it really kind of typifies our life. 
Because somehow in, this, in the course of our life, we, we sense this entitlement because of our issues. We were firstborn or we were a middle child or we were the baby or we were done wrong in first grade or a coach did us wrong, that all of a sudden we're carrying these issues like a badge and we're carrying them around and we tell people, well, if you only knew who I was, you wouldn't be asking to cut in on me. But there's a bigger issue that comes to play there. Because what happens is we miss a lot of good relationships. Somebody say amen. See, I think about Michael Jordan and probably the greatest basketball player of our time, uh, without doubt. And if you've seen the documentary about Michael's life, while all the guys that played with him said he's the greatest, none of them wanted to play with him again. Because he tortured them. Because he was mean. Because, here's a word they used, he was a bully. And it says a lot about our lives that we can be great at something and people can give us accolades when it's all said and done we're living by ourselves. And that's not the word of God. And so what we need to understand is this, because we all have issues, listen, listen to pastor, because this is the message in church today. We cannot apply our difficulties with dysfunctional man to a perfect God. God is not your dysfunctional dad. Somebody say amen. He's not that first grade teacher. He's not the, God is perfect and he's perfect in love. That means he's going to love you no matter what. He never changes. He's true to his nature all the time. That means no matter what you did before you got to church here today, God still loves you. But we come with our filters once again and we begin to say, well, I'm not certain if that's all true together, true. And how can a God that I don't love, love me? And what your misunderstanding is, who you are doesn't determine who God is. And so what we need to understand is submission is humility in action. And we understand the scripture, Ephesians 5, it says, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In other words, it takes humility to let somebody cut in the line. It takes the want to to let people cut in line. And so James even says it in James 3.13. He says, if you're wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with humility that come from wisdom. And then verse 17, we move down. It tells us what that wisdom looks like. It says, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times. And look at this, and willing to yield to others. Humility is submission to God and serving others. Learning to yield the right of way. Honor, honoring somebody. Now, I've got to be honest, and I'm going to make a lot of people uncomfortable when I say this. But this is not your conviction issue. This is my conviction issue. So I've been preparing for this sermon all week. Your first time hearing it. Uh, and so before I got up and, and shared the sermon this morning, I'd already gone through my notes numerous times. And I'm sitting there praying while Abigail's leading worship. And I started thinking about my notes. And even before I preached the message in the first service, I got convicted. And it's all about honor. 
Because here's, here's the thing about honor. Honor is something that's not determined by anybody else but by you. The Bible says, honor your father and mother and listen to me. What that means is that you say, well, my mom and dad weren't great moms, but you understand something. There's no disclosure in the word of God that says quit honoring them because they're not good dads. You say, pastor, that doesn't make any sense. Why would God have us do that? Because God doesn't want your parents to determine who you are. He wants to determine who you are. It's, it's, a, it's a big act of humility and faith on our part to say, okay, God, I trust you in this. And so I'm sitting over there. I know the word of God. I've read First Corinthians, I mean, Romans chapter 13. I've read First Peter. I've gone through all of it. I know the word of God. And kind of this question came to me. Why don't you ever call the, our current president by his title? I just call him by his last name. Don't, don't look like you're above me in that. I know some of you are the same way. I mean, when I, when I, I say it, I always say Biden. And I said, God, I, I don't know about this message. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you really think that God is on the edge of his throne in heaven, freaked out about what's going on in Washington. And he says, you're letting people in Washington determine who you are. Because honor is humility and faith. And I said, okay, God, I'm going to say it. Man, it was like gravel was in my mouth. I said, God bless. No, I said, President Biden. (laughs) And I realized what God was teaching me. That humility comes to a place where you trust God that he's bigger and knows everything that you don't. Amen. Amen. And when he says to honor, listen, pastor, we want to make it all about our difficulties, our trials, our tribulations. And so what happens is now we're letting these people determine who we are and people carry hurts for the rest of their life. And all of a sudden, they're, you know, we're a psychological mess because we're letting this person determine who I am. Instead of following the word of God in humility. See, pleasing God and walking humility brings a godly reward. Because here's the kingdom law and it comes with a promise. I love promises of God. Jesus just gave us a promise when he was doing that. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. Proverbs 29, 23 says, pride ends in humiliation while humility brings honor. Matthew 5, 5, Jesus starting the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes, and he says this, God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. James four ten, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. 
First Peter 5, 5, in the same way you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another for God opposes the proud. New Testament, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Now, I've got to ask a question, and it applies to this year, 2023. And it applies to each and every one of our lives. And this is something I want you to ask yourself if you really believe. How many of you believe that God gives supernatural promotion? Amen. No, I'm going to ask again. How many of you believe that God gives supernatural promotion? I didn't say your ability. I didn't even say your faithfulness. I didn't say your aptitude. Are you with me? According to the word of God that we've just read, God gives supernatural promotion to the humble. Now, here's the interesting part. It's all through scripture. Story after story from Abraham, who was always looking for a city, to Joseph, who one day he's a prisoner and the next day, the next day, he's the prime minister of a country. Now, who does that? Moses, he's on the backside of the wilderness. <laughs> a fugitive from Egypt. And there he is on the backside of the desert, and God calls him and takes him from this place of being a fugitive to leading God's people. Who can do that? David. He's the runt. I mean, Samuel comes to anoint them all, and he says, Jesse, are these all your boys? And he says, no, there's one, and he's the, he's the smallest and the youngest, and he's out back watching the sheep. Well, go get him. And he's anointed that day, and here's the crazy part. In spite of his anointing, he doesn't become king for several years. Because you know what? God gives the promotion to the humble. Then this week we're reading about, we've just come through the book of Esther, if you're reading through us. And I love that we've entitled the book Esther. Now I have to say this because uh, my, little, my little cousin in first service, I, I said Mordecai. And she said it's Mordecai. She corrected me afterwards. So I'm going to tell you his name is Mordecai. And I'll try to stay with that as I tell you the story of Mordecai. Mordecai raises his cousin. Esther, and she's beautiful. Obviously, she was something different from the very beginning. If you know the whole story, King Xerxes, he, he comes and he has a falling out with his wife. He feels like she's showing him up and then he shows some remorse and they have this plan that they're going to have this giant beauty contest and it's very sexist, I get it. You get the picture. And in all of it, he chooses Esther to be his bride. And she becomes a queen. Well, there's a guy, bad guy named Haman, and Haman has plans not only for this guy Mordecai, Mordecai, I almost said Mordecai again, Mordecai, but all of Mordecai's people, which are the Jews. And when Mordecai finds out that Haman has used the king and manipulated the king to kill the Jews on March 7th of the next year, he begins to mourn and wail and goes into a time of grief, and he puts on burlap. 
Crazy story. Crazy story. Because he gets a hold of the queen and says, you were, God put you in this place for such a time as this. Somebody say amen. God called you in this year, 2023, for such a time as this. And she said, I might lose my life in this. And she said, well, either way, if you don't do this, is what Mordecai told her. You're going to die if you don't do this anyway. So she goes into the king. They have this banquet. And the same night, the same night coincidentally, you ready for this? The king decides to look through his annals of records. And he's going through. He sees where Mordecai, Mordecai saved his life. So he wakes up the next morning. He said, what have we done for this guy, Mordecai? And Haman comes walking in. He said, what would you do for someone you want to show honor to? He says, well, I would put your royal robe on him. I would get out your finest horse and I would walk him through all the city saying, this is the one the Lord, the king honors. He said, good, go do that for Mordecai right now. God has a sense of humor. That's not the whole story. When all is said and done, God takes this cousin of the queen that's always outside the gate and brings him into the king's presence. The king takes off his ring, puts it on Mordecai's finger and Mordecai becomes the prime minister of all the kingdom. Now, who could do that but God? But it is this spiritual principle we're talking about where it says that God gives a promotion to the humble. But you know, you know what? It's so hard to wait. Because we want affirmation. We want glory. We want people to recognize us. We want the pastor to recognize us. Uh, we, we want the teachers to recognize us. We, 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 we build our life around this attention. How many likes can I get? Am I an influencer? You know, the whole mess that our society has created. And it's so against the word of God. God gives supernatural promotion to the humble. And then we have Jesus. Philippians 2 says... And he took the form of a servant, the son of God, the creator who spoke everything into existence. He took the form of a servant. And he said, this same mind that was in Christ Jesus ought to be in you also. Humility. Then we have the apostle Paul, the known persecutor of the church. And he has a supernatural conversion where Jesus appears to him in this vision and it's so blinded to him that literally he becomes blind. And so for some 13 to 17 years, here's the cool part. The Apostle Paul doesn't have a ministry. He sits in church. 13 to 17 years where this guy who was once somebody, probably the next high priest in the Jewish understanding of things a disciple of Gamaliel he was right there in line and for 13 to 17 years he sits in church until one day the elders of the church they say this let's set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work and so they pray over them and send them out and in humility and through humility Paul is the most influential of all the apostles, and he writes this of himself. You ready? Ephesians 3.8. Though I am least deserving of God's people. 
he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. And what humility does, it enables us to serve God with the right motivation. We have difficulty with honor. And the difficulty we have with honor has everything to do with our pride. And because of our pride, it inhibits our trust in God. Because we really think we can do it better sometimes. You, know, you want to know what the truth is? We really think we can do it better. And so that's why sometimes God is a last resort. So here's the thing. How many of you believe the word of God today? Wait a minute. How many of you believe the word of God today? How many of you believe that God gives supernatural promotion to the humble? So how, how, can, how, how can we, Pastor, get on this path to supernatural promotion? Well, first and foremost, and I'm going to say this because this is the humbling part. We're not, we're not going to sugarcoat it, you know. We're, you have to recognize evil, pride, evil and prideful motivations and repent. You say, well, it's not so bad. And all I want is a little attention, and you get the picture. But it says that God rejects the prideful, and he embraces and exalts the humble. And so if that's the case, we have to say, God, I'm a sinner. You know, Pastor Shelley's going to come up in just a moment, and she's going to kind of close us out after I, I pray for those who want to accept Jesus today. Number two is, by faith, we have to allow God to be the rewarder. Now, that's, that's not easy. Years ago, when we first started doing kids' camp, how many of you know about our kids' camp? Can you see a hand? We've always made it bigger than, bigger budget, bigger everything, because we feel like, we feel like our kids deserve the best. Amen. Somebody say amen. It's been that way from the very beginning. And so one of the local newspapers caught wind of it. And they came out and they interviewed, they took pictures of the kids' camp and interviewed uh, our, our, our children's pastor at the time, uh, published the whole article, and nowhere in the article did it say anything about me. And so somebody came to me, Sand Ballot and Tobias, that was her name, trying to incite something in me and said, Pastor, I read that whole article, it's a great article, but it didn't mention anything about you. How do you feel about that? And I said, I think it's great. I think it's wonderful. Because the less I, I, I mentioned, the more Jesus is mentioned. And, and the end result is just reaching these kids. It's not about putting somebody's name or stamp or having somebody say, boy, look at what you're doing and look at how much money you've spent for the kids of the year. And look at all the wells you guys have dug in Zambia. And look at this. You, under, you understand something. God knows all that. It's God that gives the promotion. And, and I would rather, honestly, I would rather have him say on that day when I take my last breath here and my first breath there and I meet him face to face, I would rather have him say, well done, Alan. None of this other stuff matters. It's all gone. You're not going to serve anybody on this planet when you go to heaven. Abigail saying it, you're the Lord. You're, going to, you're the Lord and you're going to be the Lord forevermore. You understand nobody else's affirmation is going to matter when you take that first breath in heaven. 
And so we humble ourselves and say, we lay down, and, and, and I really believe this with all my heart. You know, Revelation says that the elders lay down their crowns. And I believe that each and every one of us will receive crowns when we get to heaven. That's biblical. That's our reward. But this is what I think about heaven. We have these wonderful big screens, and I think we'll get to heaven because I think God's got all the time because there's eternity. Somebody say amen. And he's going to say, Shelly, sit down, and we're going to look at your whole life. And this is what's going to happen. We're going to see God's hand in our life that we never saw, the Holy Spirit's inspiration, motivation, how he drew us, how he loved us, how, how that he gave us incredible ideas and wisdom. And we're going to look at that crown and say at the end, I really don't deserve this. And we're going to make a discovery, it was you all along. <laughs> it, it was always you. It was always you. But you know what? We don't have to wait for heaven. Somebody say amen. It's always him. Somebody say amen. It's always him. Lastly, we have to yield to right, right of way to others and show honor. God has a way. I'm not saying you had the greatest parents because all parents are human and they all make mistakes. As I've gotten older, I lost my dad several years ago. My mom is, has Alzheimer's and she's in a nursing home. We visited with her on Friday. The older I get, the more I understand my parents. I understand the decisions they made and why they made some of the decisions that they made what was the forming part of their life and I have great empathy and compassion because you see I'm a dad and I've made lots of mistakes too somebody say amen but you know what I honor my mom and dad I don't have to tell you all their dirtiness you know why because to me they're great parents nobody else's business God knows I don't have to throw them under the bus to make myself feel better or make excuses about my life. Because the Bible says to honor your father and mother. And so, I'm going to honor them. And it's a lesson for us today. Because some of you are carrying issues. You're carrying issues and it's your pride that you're holding on to. You think, well, it's my hurt. And it's this. No, it's not. God's big enough to handle all that. He's big enough to handle it, and he's big enough to always take care of his business. God's going to take care of all the business that happens in Washington. Somebody say amen. Well, Pastor, I'd like to see it in my lifetime. You might not. The people who are under 800 years of Roman occupation want to see it in their lifetime when they were lighting people and using them as lampposts. Can you imagine? They wanted to see the transformation come in their lifetime. And Hebrews, I love Hebrews because it says, and the world wasn't worthy of these. <laughs> they came and they humbly trusted God with all their heart and they endured hardship and trouble and trial. 
and they trusted God with all their heart and it says the world wasn't worthy. It says now we have this great cloud of witnesses that has passed the baton to us and listen, we can't afford to be the generation that's going to lay down. Somebody say amen. Will you bow your heads with me today? Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't have a relationship with God. I don't know him to be as rewarder. I didn't even know he was good like you said, but I want to have a relationship with him. And I want him to forgive me my sins. If that's you, will you raise your hand right now, right where you're at? And I'm going to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bless you. Hands are going up everywhere. Bless you. Wow. Okay. Everybody look at me for just a moment. We're going to pray a prayer. I was eight years old, folks. Sitting in church just like you are. It was a Wednesday night. I'll never forget. I'd been in church all my life. And for the first time in my life at eight years old, I was overwhelmed by the thought of death. Paralyzed by the thought of death. Like, what happens? What happens when I die? I mean, I was just in a freak out moment in church. I'll never forget. I was just freaking out. And I knew enough to know this. I just prayed a simple prayer. I said, Jesus, forgive me my sins. And the minute I prayed that prayer believing, I'd never felt so clean in all my life. <laughs> and all of the fear left. It was gone. It was like it was there one moment and the fear had left. And it was like, well, it's okay. <laughs> I'm okay. If I die, if Jesus comes back today, it's all good because he's washed me and cleansed me. And that's going to be your experience today as well. But you have to believe and you have to ask. You have to humble yourself and realize that we're all sinners. Somebody say we're all sinners. And we have to ask him. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask everybody in this place to pray this simple prayer with me. It's just simple. Lord Jesus, I'm asking you today to forgive me of my sins. Say, Pastor, why did you wait? Because it's really that simple prayer. It's really that simple. It's that simple. It's simple enough that an eight-year-old could do it and come to saving and come to a relationship with God and it happened for you today. I'm going to ask Pastor Shelley to come up because God had spoken to her a couple of weeks. In fact, last week, and he gave a word, she gave her a word for our congregation. I never know anything about it. And so she's going to come up and share and close with us today. You know, anyone that's come to this church for any length of time has often heard me get up and when I pray, I pray, Lord, give us ears to hear your spirit. And last week I had no idea that Alan was going to preach about humility. And this morning, I didn't know he was going to preach about humility again. And church... It's important that we have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Because if he's speaking through our pastor about humbling ourselves, then the Lord is trying to tell us something. And the week before Alan was preparing for this message, it was on a Monday morning, 
And I was up early and I was praying. And since the beginning of the year, I've been praying for families. For years, I've been praying for our family. Because much like you, we've had a lot going on in our family. And because of things that have happened, our hearts have been broken. And we've had to ask the Lord to heal our hearts. But you know, in the process of those things happening, we sin because we're hurt. And we hear and we see all around us that our nation, we need healing. There's a great need of transformation in this nation. We heard Abigail speak a couple of weeks ago that when they went to South Africa, she came to this realization that the United States has so much influence over our world. And she realized that this nation needs revival. And we need revival. And the Lord is speaking to our hearts that we need to humble ourselves. But as I was praying, the Lord brought this scripture to my mind, and you all know it well. But I want to read it to you this morning. Second Chronicles seven fourteen says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And he brought that scripture to me and he said, you know what's wrong with my people? You know, Shelly, what's wrong sometimes even in your own life is that it's difficult for you to humble yourself and ask for forgiveness for your sins because you're too busy pointing the finger at other people and blaming them for your sin. I gathered our women mentors here last Sunday night and I told them that because I'm guilty of it in my life. Married couples, we're guilty of this every single day. It goes all the way back to the garden that when we sin, we blame someone else. And I just believe with all my heart that the Holy Spirit is trying to get his people's attention. And he's saying, stop blaming everyone else for your sin and take ownership of it and humble yourself. I'm just waiting to come and heal your land when you will humble yourself. And I don't believe it's coincidence that the Lord had our pastor speak about humility because we aren't humble. We need to humble ourselves. And I don't know about you, but I have things I've been praying about for years. And I can't blame someone else for the words that have come out of my mouth because of my hurt. The word says we're to forgive. The word says we are to love. We live in a world that's wrecked by sin. But I believe as we humble ourselves, 
marriages will be healed. Our children will experience salvation and transformation. That's the greatest desire of my heart. That my Nathan, my Abigail, and my Jonathan, that they will experience the power of God. That they will experience His transforming power that comes and changes you from the inside out. And He still rolls and He still reigns and His blood still heals and He still delivers. He still sets free. And some of you are sitting here and you are longing for that. And I want to pray over you this morning. Let's stand in the presence of the Almighty One. Oh, God. Lord, we come this morning. And Lord, I know that there are people standing here. Lord, that their families are wrecked by sin. By choices that others have made and choices that we have made. And Lord, we come this morning. And we humble ourselves before you. Lord, forgive us for not reading your word because it brings conviction to our lives. Forgive us for compromising your word because we don't like what it says. Lord, we humble ourselves before you. We repent this morning for our sin. We take ownership of it. And Lord, we ask that you would forgive us for every area of our life that we have compromised, every area where our heart has come out of alignment with you. And Lord, we cry out for our families. We cry out for this nation. And Lord, we ask that you would come and you would move all across this nation, that your Holy Spirit would come and it would transform our lives because we are in desperate need of you. Lord, let it begin in our hearts this morning. Lord, don't let your people leave this place this week without giving them ears to hear what your Spirit is saying. Lord, give them the boldness to stand up for what is righteous. Lord, we pray that our children and our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, should you tarry, that they will see your face. They will see and experience your presence that will transform our lives. Because that's what we So, Lord, forgive us and come and heal our land, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God has called us to not just be blessed. God's called us to be a blessing. You know, the only mercy and grace some people are going to see is what mercy and grace you give them. Somebody say amen. Amen. And so let's be that. Let's leave this place today humble and say, I'm going to serve.
Yeah, I'm going to yield the right of way. <laughs> they don't deserve it, but neither did I. Somebody say amen. We, we don't have to always insinuate that everybody's evil. <laughs> you know, you, you know we, we, we have this idea, you evil little dude, I'm not going to let you do anything. And I don't say it out loud, but I think it. That's just as bad. And so let's be, let's be who God's called us to be. We love you. And hear, hear this today. God loves you. And he wants to express himself through you. So humble yourself and let him. Amen? Go with God today. You're dismissed.